number four this morning, back of your Bible, right before Revelation, 1 John chapter number four. And while you're turning there, I decided to move something up in the schedule this morning, uh, just because we have a busy schedule tonight with our Christmas uh, musical, and then on Wednesday night, our outdoor service. I want to invite you to be here for that. It's always an exciting time. Uh, this time of year at our church, have that outdoor service and fellowship, and time is going to get away from us here before too terribly long. And so I decided to move something up to this morning and kind of let everybody know last minute we're going to do that. Last year, we started a tradition here at our church of honoring our senior athletes, and uh, I, uh, I'm so thankful for our students who are not only representing us well uh, on the basketball court and football field, but our athletes also rec- rec- represent us well out in the world. And uh, Leslie and I decided last year that we wanted to help uh, help uh, our young people that, uh, that, that play our sports and do well with our sports uh, remember their time here at Central. And we thought well, the best way to do that uh, is to help purchase a Letterman jacket for them. And uh, this year we have one senior athlete, Brother, a- uh, athlete, Brother Avery. I'm going to ask you to come on down right quick. Uh, it's a cold day, and I don't know how long it's going to be cold. And I thought we might better give it to him while it's cold. So let's welcome Brother Avery to the platform this morning. Uh, to get his official Raider Letterman jacket, and uh, Brother Avery has been clutch for us, not just uh, in basketball, but in football, and has bailed us out of a lot of binds. So, Brother Avery, this is yours. Represent it well. The only caveat I have is you can wear it as long as you're living for the Lord. You decide not to live for the Lord, you have to give it back, all right? So, I believe they're down here for pictures, and he's brought us to a lot of tight spots in our games. Brother Matthews, come on up here right quick. Your coach, where's Brother Heath? Coach Bartlett, is he here? Brother Heath, come on up here for pictures. We're just going to do this impromptu this morning. All right, you hold that. Brother Matthews, come get a picture with him. And uh, Brother Heath's going to come get a picture with him. I just threw this on them this morning. They had no idea we were going to do this. But uh, I think it's going to be hot again tomorrow. So I wanted him to wear it at least while there was a cold day out here. You know, it was 80 on Friday and uh, it was 30 this morning. But I appreciate Brother Avery and how he represents us well here at Central. And uh, let's give him a hand and, and thanks for all that he's done for us. Uh, out there on the basketball court. First John chapter number four. And uh, if you would, let's stand together and look at verse number nine. First John chapter four. Look down, if you would, to verse nine. We're going to read verse nine, verse number 10, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. First John chapter number four, verse number nine. The Bible says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now watch verse 10. Verse 10 is going to be our text today. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you again for your word. Pray you'd help us today to say what you'd have us to say the way you'd have us to say it. I pray, Father, Lord, this morning that you'd help us to open our hearts to receive it and then be changed by it. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as I have throughout the preparation of the message that you'll bless the invitation. Help us not be hesitant today for whatever you lead us to do. Help us, Lord, not be bashful about your will. If there's someone that needs to be saved today, Lord, I pray you'd help make that extra clear. And Lord, for the saved of us today, Lord, help us to see what our Savior did for us. And Lord, help us respond through our obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, we introduced a series that we're going to jump into 
that we jumped into last week called Home for the Holidays. Uh, if you've seen our Christmas track, that's what our Christmas series is all about. Home for the Holidays, not necessarily going home for uh, ham and for turkey, but returning to the Father and how this season is all about how Jesus came to live, to die, and rise again, that we could be reconciled to our Father and make it back to our spiritual home so that we understand exactly the true meaning of what this season is all about. Now, if you're not careful, you're going to get caught up in all of what we call the hustle and bustle of the holidays, and you're going to forget what this is about. I heard a story of a, a mom, and matter of fact, it was in our devotion last night. We're sitting down and reading our family devotions together, and the story was given about a mom who was in a store in the mall buying Christmas presents, and her child wandered away. And while her child wandered away, he discovered that they had a manger scene depicted there in the store uh, for everyone to see. And the, mom, uh, the boy began jumping up and hollering, Mom, Mom, look, it's baby Jesus, and he's in the manger. And the mom hollered at the son and said, Son, I don't have time for that right now. Can't you see we're preparing for Christmas? And they walked out, and I think the mom may have been just a little bit convicted, realizing that oftentimes this time of year, it's very tempting to get the cart ahead of the horse and not to realize what this season is all about. Now, last week, we looked at the message entitled, Finding the Way Home. And how if we're going to return to the Father and be reconciled to the Father and have a renewed relationship with our Heavenly Father, we've got to know the way back to Him. And the Bible says in John 14, 6, as we preached last year, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus didn't just come to show the way, he came to be the way. And he says in John 14, 6, that no man can come unto the Father but by Him. We can't come to the Father, but, and the only way is through Christ. Now, now that we know that, the problem's solved, right? Now that we know that Jesus came to be the way, the problem's solved, now we get to go to heaven when we die. No, it's not, uh, it's not as simple as that. There's a lot more involved in that, and unfortunately, for us to make our way back to the Father, be reconciled to the Father, it was going to be a very expensive journey, Okay. A very expensive journey. So what do you mean? Well, I think we can all relate to gas prices right now. We can all relate the gas prices are probably right at, at twice as much as they were this time last year. And it's going to cost you a lot to go home for the holidays this year, isn't it? Last year it wasn't too bad, under $2. Now we're over $3. And it's more expensive for us to go home for the holidays. But can I tell you, it's nowhere even close to the cost that it cost our Lord and Savior for us to be reconciled to our Father. It was an expensive proposition. A price had to be paid for you and I to have a restored relationship with God. Now, Christ not only came to be the way, but notice in verse 9 and verse 10, he came also to cover the cost. In order for us this season to understand what it's all about, we've got to understand what the message is this morning, and we're going to look at the subject of the cost to come home. The cost to come home, and we're going to see the price that had to be paid by Christ for us to be reconciled with our Father. Now, look at verse number 10. The Bible says, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Notice this, and sent his son. Isn't that what we're celebrating now? He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, let me ask you this morning, what is it that makes it so expensive 
and so costly for us to return to a right relationship with God. What made it so expensive and costly? Well, if you'll look at the end of verse number 10, you're going to see three words for our sins. You see, not only did Christ have to come and be the way, Christ also had to come and pay the way. All right? Christ had to come and reconcile man to God by paying the price. Now, what made returning to God so difficult? That's number one this morning. I want you to notice a standing debt. A standing debt. All of mankind, past, present, and future, owed a debt to God, and that debt is spelled out in the last three words of verse number 10, for our sins. You see, debt, the debt of sin that stood between me and my Lord is what kept me from having that right relationship with him. And in order for me to be reconciled to God, that debt had to be taken care of. Now hear me out this morning, folks. Whether we realize it or not or want to acknowledge it or not, sin always has to be accounted for. No matter how much you may want to have a right relationship with God, the sin debt that stood between you and I and the Lord had to be taken care of. God's not just going to sweep our sin under the rug. Isn't that what we do? We like to sweep it under the rug where, you know what, I'm just going to forget about it. No, God is a holy God and God is a just God. Therefore, sin must be accounted for. And that sin debt that separated me and God had to be satisfied in order for me to have a right relationship with God. I had a standing debt. It reminded me of years ago, there used to be something in the olden days when I was a kid called movie stores. Do we remember those? Movie stores? They don't have those anymore, but we would go to the movie stores. You get a new movie for $3, not so new movie for $2, and then the movies our family watched were a dollar because nobody ever rented them. Swiss Family Robinson, you know, uh, Herbie, uh, uh, those old Disney movies that nobody ever rented. Matter of fact, they would have to take them off the shelf and dust them off. Those were always a dollar. And so we want to go get a movie. We drive to the movie store. Our teenagers are like, What? You didn't just stream it? No, we didn't know. The only stream we had back then was the kind that ran through the river, river and was wet. That was the only stream we had back then as a kid in the olden days. So I would go to the movie store, say, you know what, let's watch a movie tonight and go to the movie store, maybe one of those old Don Knotts movies or something. And I'd go there and I, I'd get our movies off the wall. You know, they were Velcroed to the wall. Remember that? The cases were Velcroed to the wall. You got the case off the wall. You took it up to the counter and you put it on the counter and the lady would say, all right, that's going to be, you know, such and such amount of dollars. Well, many, many times I'd go up, I'd put the case up there and the lady says, look, before you can rent another one, you've got to pay your late fees. And I would tell the lady, I says, ma'am, I don't have any late fees. She says, yes, you do. I said, well, no, I don't. Then I began to realize that my brother, my younger brother, and I were on the same account. And he would go and he'd rent some movies, you know, and, you know, knowing, yes, my sister, knowing that older brother and older sister are going to cover it one day, you're not too terribly worried about paying the debt because you know that if brother wants to rent a movie or sister wants to rent a movie, they're going to have to pay your debt in order for them to get the movies that they want. You see, before I can move forward with that desired purchase in the present, I had to take care of the previous chargers that were there in the past. Are you with me this morning? 
All right? Now, all of us desired to move forward and have a relationship with God. Who wouldn't want to have a relationship with God? Have a home in heaven. But before we could do that, there was a debt in our past that had to be settled. And that debt could not be settled by you and I. Therefore, the Bible says he sent his son to be the propitiation, we'll talk about that in a minute, for our sins. Folks, sin has to be accounted for. It always does. Go back to the very first one. Satan in heaven. Oh, he had it good. And then pride began to build up in his heart that he wanted to sit where God sat. Little did he know his pride would come with a price. Why? Sin has to be accounted for. It cost him everything that he had. Sin has to be accounted for. Then let's go back to one of the next ones in the Garden of Eden. There's Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve see the fruit. They know they're not supposed to touch it. And Adam and Eve sin, but they would find out that that fruit wasn't free, was it? Why? Sin has to be accounted for. Now, someone said it this way one time, debts are fun to acquire, but hard to retire. Could we agree with that one? Debts are fun to acquire. Right now, we're going to the mall, and we're swiping, and we're swiping, and we're swiping, and boy, we're having a good old time with it. It looks like a Hallmark Christmas tree in our house. Presents galore, but guess what? January's coming. Old Visa and MasterCard. Oh, American Express, Discover, whatever it is. Maybe your mother-in-law you're borrowing money from. Oh, January's coming. And they're going to settle that debt. I promise you, you're going to think, in the hustle and bustle of the holidays, I'll bet Visa's going to forget about me. <laughs> You're betting wrong. <laughs> they know where you live. They'll come confiscate your children. Why? The debt has to be paid. It has to be accounted for. Now understand this this morning. The cost to come home was high. Why? We had a standing debt. And that debt is the last two words of verse 10, our sins. In 2020, the average shopper took on $1,381 of debt over the Christmas holidays, 1,381. But do you know what? Every one of them got a bill in the mail. Why? Because debt must be accounted for. Do you remember the story by Robert Browning, the Pied Piper? Remember the story of the Pied Piper? Maybe we, maybe we don't even read that one anymore. I don't know. The Pied Piper was hired by the town. The town had a rat problem. And the Pied Piper could play this music and, 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 and cause the rats to magically follow him into the sea or the river and be drowned. And so the mayor agreed. Look, if you'll come into our town and play your flute and lead the rats into the river to die, we'll pay you so many guilders of money. I kind of thought to myself, you know, we need to hire that guy to go to Washington. Maybe he could get the rats out of there. I don't know. Just, just a quick thought. The story goes, he came through and he played. The rats followed him, went into the river and were drowned. Well, the mayor decided, you know what, now that the rats are gone, uh, you know what, we don't have a problem anymore. We're just not going to pay you. And they thought they could get by without paying. What does the story go on to say? The story says that he came back while the parents were in church on St. John's Day. You see, that's the reason your kids ought to be in church right there. While the parents were in church, the kids were not. And he began playing the, the pipe, and the children followed him, and the children would ultimately lose their life. That was the price that had to be paid for them thinking they were going to get the service without having the debt. Now, folks, understand this this morning. That's a fable tale. 
But what is not a fable this morning is that you and I have a standing debt with God. And it is verse 10, our sin. And that debt was an insurmountable barrier that stood between you and I and having a right relationship with God. You see, debt separates you from what you desire. You think about that this morning, Brother Edwards and I talk often about money and finances, and one of the biggest reasons people cannot serve God is debt. It really is. We go out and we buy bigger and better to impress people that we don't even really know. We have bigger and nicer, and because we have to work all the time to pay for things that we didn't necessarily need, we don't have the time to serve God. Watch this. Debt has separated you from the opportunity to serve God. Do you know that 80% of couples aged 20 to 30 list financial difficulty as the number one reason for separation. 80% of couples between the ages of 20 and 30 list financial debt as the reason for their separation. What happens? The debt separated them. You see, that's what a debt does. It's amazing that the devil convinces us that debt is going to satisfy us. If I just had more, if I just had more, and if I just had bigger and better, it's going to satisfy us. No, no, no. Truthfully, it's the exact opposite. Debt separates you from what you're looking for. Think about it. You go and get this and you get that, and you buy bigger and you buy better and nicer and fancier, but it doesn't satisfy. As a matter of fact, now you have to work so much to pay for those things, you don't have what really matters. You know what that is? Time. Now you're worried about paying all of this debt. i got to pay for this truck and this car and the economy and gas prices are over $3. What on earth am I going to do? Now you don't have peace. You have no time. You have no peace. And then the most important thing of all, you're not able to be with your family because you're busy paying for all of the things that you accrued in your debt. So rather than satisfy you, you know what it did? It separated you from what you really wanted in life, time and peace and family. But can I tell you the greatest debt that you and I ever had? Let me read it for you in Scripture, Isaiah 59, 2. The Bible says, but your iniquities, iniquities are sin, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, sin separates us from God. The sin debt that you and I had stood between us and a holy God, and it was a debt that we could not pay. Understand, folks, this morning, the whole reason Jesus had to come was to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. That's why we sing about it. I guarantee you this morning, boy, somebody come along and say, hey, you know what I'll do for you today? Now, they're probably not, so don't get your hopes up. I'd like to pay off all of your credit card debt today. When you walk out that door this morning, there's going to be ushers standing there, hypothetically, ushers standing there with pieces of paper. Could you tell us how much debt you have? And, and we're going to write that off, and we're going to make sure that's all taken care of you. I'll promise you, you'd sing about that. You'd skip. You might even smile. <laughs> Why? Your credit card debt has been settled. The first thing you do is you go out there and start swiping some more. That's exactly what you do. That's probably what I would do. And yet, watch this, that's temporal debt. That's temporal debt. When I die, Visa cannot find me. MasterCard will not have my address. All right? They, American Express will not know where I'm at. Those debts are temporal. And yet, watch this, the debt that you and I had... The sin that we had that kept us from a right relationship with God, that standing debt, that's why Jesus had to come. Folks, understand this this morning. Debt, 
Listen, that sin debt will always separate you from God. And by the way, that's not just lost people. You know, when you're lost, that sin separated you from God and his presence eternally. But after you get saved, sin separates you from all that God desires for you. You know, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and what? Come short. You know what coming short is? It means you're in a debt. You're in a deficit. There's a lot of Christians this morning that are coming short of the blessings of God. You know why? Because of sin. Sin will always bring you short of the blessings of God. Listen, sin will bring you short of the power of God. Sin will bring you short of the presence of God. It doesn't matter. Sin is always a debt and a deficit for you. Now, here's the sad thing. It doesn't have to be. It's unnecessary debt. And yet the Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin, what does that mean? It means sin is always a debt. And in order to return from the Father, we're going to have to take care of the standing debt. What was it? The end of verse 10. Look at it again. Our sin. Now, here's the good part. The problem is you and I are not qualified in our best efforts to pay off this debt. No way in a million lifetimes could you and I settle or satisfy the debt of sin that stood between you and I and our Heavenly Father. You say, well, I might try to do my best. Well, let me explain to you exactly what you're going to have to do. 1 Peter 1.18, the Bible says this, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you couldn't touch it with all the silver in the world. You couldn't touch that debt with all the gold in the world. So how do we pay off this debt? Well, keep reading in 1 Peter 1.18. The Bible says here's what's required. A lamb without blemish and without spot. The only thing that would settle the debt that keeps us from having that right relationship with God is a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know what that means? No one in here this morning... No one who's ever graced planet Earth, past, present, or future is qualified to settle this debt. Now watch this. You're fixing to understand why the first three words of verse 10 say this. Herein is love. A holy God looked down from heaven. He saw mankind, past, present, and future, for all have sinned. We all had that sin debt that separated us from God. All of us had a standing debt, and all of us were unqualified to pay the debt. So herein is love, what? The Bible says that he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The second thing I want you to notice this morning is a substitute delivered. A substitute delivered. You and I were incapable of paying that debt. And God says, you know what? All have sinned. All deserve to die and go to a place called hell, eternally separated from God. That debt was going to eternally keep us from God. Remember the rich man who died? Rich man who died. I'm sure he didn't have many debts in his life because he was rich. And yet the one debt that mattered, all of his money could not pay. And in hell, what did the Lord tell him in hell? There's a great gulf fixed between you and I. We're eternally separated. Why? He never settled that debt. And yet the sad thing is there was a substitute delivered. The Bible says that God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know, when I think about substitute, I can't help but think about when I was in school. 
boy, word would begin spread around school that we had a substitute that day. And you're doing what I usually used to do. You smile. Why? Usually, if you're a substitute, I'm not picking on you, but usually substitutes are pushovers. Oh, man. Substitute teachers coming in today, they're not as strict. They allow you to get by with more. Substitute teacher comes in. It's going to be an easy day. And yet that was not the case with Christ. You hear me out this morning. In order for Christ to pay our debt, he was going to have to be much more than those who he was substituting for. A substitute, oftentimes we look at as less. I'm going to be a stand-in. I'm going to stand in their place. I'm not going to fulfill their shoes, but I'll do my best. No, no, no. The substitute that you and I needed had to be better than we were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were with spot and we were with blemish. And the only way that debt could be settled was we had to have a substitute come and be delivered for us who was far better than we could ever be. The Bible says he sent his only son. That's why 1 Peter 3.18 says this, for Christ also hath once suffered for us the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Do you hear the end of that verse? I love how it all works together. Kind of like the same person wrote the book, huh? You see it? That he might bring us to God. He wanted to reconcile us to God. There was something between us. It was a sin debt. We couldn't pay it. We were unqualified to pay it. And yet he sent his son, the just for the unjust, the qualified for the unqualified. Why? So that he would be our substitute to stand in our place. Now, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, oftentimes this time of year, naturally, we focus on the birth of Christ, and that's good, and we should. And then around Easter time, we focused on the death of Christ, which is good. But you know, something that we miss, and something maybe I think we misunderstand, is the life of Christ. Hear me out. Christ had to be born, of course, and Christ had to die, of course, and Christ had to rise again, of course, but you know, not only did he die for me, Christ had to live for me. Stick with me. He had to live for me. So what do you mean by that? Everything I got wrong in the flesh, he had to get right in the flesh. He had to put this stuff on. You see, I messed up in this stuff. So he had to put on flesh. What does the Bible say in John? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He had to put this stuff on and everything that I messed up in this stuff, he had to fix in this stuff. Think about it this way. Everywhere I transgressed in my flesh, he had to triumph in the flesh. Everywhere this morning that I was overwhelmed in my flesh, he had to overcome in his flesh. You see, Christ was the great do-over for mankind. You ever need a do-over? Every once in a while, I need to do over. You ever sit at the end of the day on Monday, and the day has just flown by, you've got nothing done, and you're thinking, I need a do-over. Well, unless the Lord tarries, most likely you'll get a Tuesday, and you'll get a chance to do it all over again, and more troubles and more trials. You ever doing something at your house? Maybe you're baking a cake, cooking something, and you need a do-over. Uh, yesterday morning, I was cooking Christmas pancakes for Miley, and uh, they were red and green, red and green. I was alternating them, red, and then I would cook a green one. And then all of a sudden, I cooked a little red one. Something was wrong with him. I'm not sure what it was. He just wasn't feeling it. He didn't feel like getting up. He just was flat. It was more like a crepe than a, than a pancake. 
And I'm sitting there looking at this thing and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to eat that one. You know, that's the great thing about being the cook. You get to eat your mistakes. So I ate that one and then I poured another one and made it new. What I knew, I needed a do-over. I got it wrong, I needed a do-over. Now watch this. Christ was the great do-over for all mankind. Christ came and says, what you got wrong in the flesh, I'm going to put on flesh, and I'm going to get it right for you. Oh, this morning can I tell you the temptation that I fell victim to in my flesh, he became a victor over in his flesh. Man, I was reading this morning in Matthew about the temptation of Christ. You ought to go back and read that. And I want you to think about it this way when you read it. The Bible says after he was baptized, he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It almost sounds like that was on purpose. That wasn't a mistake. It wasn't. He had to be tempted. Why? Because I was tempted and failed and will fail in my flesh. He had to be tempted and triumph in his. So watch closely. He goes to the wilderness. He's sitting there. After 40 days, he's, the Bible says, and hungered. And then here comes the devil. That's why you better be careful, be careful, be careful. When you get away from church, you quit reading your Bible, you get those times where you're hungry, where you haven't had food in a while spiritually, that's when he's coming to get you. He's watching you, one service out, two service out, three service out. He's like, yep, they're getting weaker, weaker, weaker. Go get him. He's not going to come after you while you're here. He's going to wait until you get weak. That's why he's watching Jesus 40 days. Let's go see if we can get him. The Bible says he comes to Jesus. He said, if you really be God, turn these stones into bread. Now, folks, he couldn't sin, but I want you to picture it this way. All eternity of mankind were holding their breath because we failed, all of us, in our temptation. The only hope for us was that he triumphed over temptation right there. So all of a sudden he answered, man shall not live by bread alone. Pow! He hit the devil. Victory number one. Then the devil comes back to him. The Bible says he takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you really be the Christ, you throw yourself down because it's written that the angels are going to bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And what did he say? He comes back and says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Victory. Temptation after temptation after temptation, he beat it. Do you know what he was doing? He was doing what I couldn't do. He was winning the victory for me. He was the substitute that was delivered by the Father to win the victory and settle the debt so that I could have peace. Now, what I love is, I was talking to Brother Thatcher about this on the phone this morning. Brother Thatcher's tuning in and continue to pray for him and Miss Emily and their health. What I love at the end of that account, not story, it's an account, it really happened. The Bible says, then the devil leaveth him. He had to. He was beat. He was beat. Do you know I'm tempted today? I get tempted all the time. I've tried to turn over a new leaf and not holler at people for going slow in the fast lane. I've tried to get over my bitterness that Coke Zero is probably not coming back in its best form. I try to be kind, but sometimes I'm tempted to be unkind, to be impatient, to be disgruntled and be bitter. And here comes that temptation, and before Christ, I didn't stand a chance. But you know what? Now he has to leave. 
He has to go on. He has to go his way. Why? He's a has-been. He's been defeated. And because Christ defeated him, I can defeat him because Christ giveth us the victory. Hey, he won it for us. He was the substitute that was delivered to take care of our standing debt. And now not only do I have access to the Father, I have access to victory. I have access to joy. Look, he can't pick on me anymore. Remember when you were little? And the older kids always want to pick on you, don't they? I don't know what it is about it. It's sin is what it is. We always want to pick on people that are smaller than us. And boy, somebody picked on you. Then all of a sudden, one summer, you hit a growth spurt, and they didn't. And you come back in, and you say, hi. How are you? Who are you again? You're not afraid anymore. Why? Because now you have the upper hand. They have to leave you. They have to leave you alone. This morning, the devil has to leave. He can't make me do anything. He can't make me sin. He can tempt me, but I can deny him. Why? Because I have the victory through the substitute that was delivered for me. My daughter, when she was a kid, she probably won't want me saying this, but I've got to say it anyway. She's a preacher's kid, and that comes with the territory. She was afraid of puppets. You know, puppets and clowns can be creepy. I'm just saying. And she was afraid of puppets. We had a puppet ministry at my dad's church. And we had these puppets, you know, we do this. And my daughter just kind of, oh, she would get back. She would open up the box where puppets were. And maybe every once in a while, I would leave them around the house for her under the covers or something like that. I'm, I have a sin nature. I have a sin nature. I do. You just won't admit it. I do. And boy, she was so afraid of those puppets. And now she laughs about it. She's grown beyond it. Can I tell you this morning, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Can I tell you? Look, look at verse 10. The Bible says he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That means a substitute was delivered for you and I. That's why Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. The Bible says he was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. There is nothing you're ever going to face. There's no problem that you're ever going to be confronted with. No temptation that you're ever going to be drawn away with that Christ didn't overcome. He beat it. And this morning, look, not only can we have access to the Father through relationship with him, we can have victory. You can have victory. Look, we live in a victim society. Everybody's a victim for something. And I understand bad things happen to good people. I understand that this morning. But hey, as a child of God, I shouldn't live as a victim. I should live as a victor. Why? Because Christ overcame all of that. And the devil's got to leave. He's got to leave. I'm not going to live as a loser. Why? Because a substitute was delivered for me. During the Civil War, a man by the name of George Wyatt was called up. George Wyatt was called up to the front lines to be in the fiercest battles. True story, according to what I read. George Wyatt was a married man with six children. As he was preparing the night before to go to the front lines of the battle, a friend of his by the name of Richard Pratt came to him. Richard Pratt was a young man who was not married and did not have a family. And Richard Pratt says, I want to do something for you. He says, what is that? He says, I want to take your place on the front lines. You have a family. You have a wife. You have a children waiting for you. And I want to go fight if you will allow me to. For a little while, George Wyatt thought about it and thought about it and finally decided he would let Richard Pratt take his place. So they go to the commanding general. And they said, we have this unique situation here to where I've been called up to the front. My lot has been chosen. I have been drafted to the front. I've got to go to the front. And yet this man, Richard Pratt, wants to take my place. 
The general sat back, I forget which one it was, and the general says, well, you know, we've never had this before, but he ran it through the other generals and all the folks that were there, and they finally agreed that he would be allowed to take his place as long as he did this. He had to accept his name and rank in order to go in his stead. He was to carry with him the conscription papers of George Wyatt. Richard Pratt would go to the front lines, and Richard Pratt would give his life for George Wyatt. Many years later, or, or many months later during the war, George Wyatt received another notice that he was to go to the front of a different battle. As he was preparing to go to the front of this battle to fight, he was approached by one of the generals who realized that there was something wrong, that he could not go to the battle. Here was why. When Wyatt was called to return to battle, he learned that he had been granted a reprieve because someone had already died in the person of his representative. And they told him, the war is over for you. You have already died for the cause. The fighting's over. You get to go home. He says, well, no, I'm willing to go. And they says, no, you've already gone in the place of Pratt. And he died for you. And therefore, you don't have to fight anymore. I don't know that you can find much of a clearer picture of what Christ did for you and I. He carried our name into battle so that we could wear his name after the battle. He went and he fought in our stead and he died in our stead. Watch this. For the child of God this morning, the war's over for you. Why? Because a substitute was delivered. The sin debt that separated you and a holy God has been taken care for. The Lord Jesus Christ carried it all the way to the cross for you. It's over. Now the devil doesn't act like it is, but it's over. He has to leave. Why? A substitute was delivered. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'll give you this before we close. He that hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank God a substitute was delivered to pay for my standing debt. Nothing can keep me from the presence of my Father. Finally, notice if you will, the cost to come home, well, there was a standing debt that had to be covered. It was our sin. A substitute was delivered. The Bible says he sent his son. Now, notice the word that we probably don't use in our everyday vernacular, to be the propitiation for our sins. I remember as a teenager, I heard my dad preach out of this passage, and after church, I had to go ask him, what does that mean? We don't use that word very often, do we? When you look up the word, I'm afraid we sell this word short a lot because we often interpret it just as a substitute sacrifice, which is partially true. When you look it up, it's not just a substitute sacrifice. I'm going to add another S to that. It is a sufficient substitute sacrifice, meaning the substitute that was delivered did the job, paid the debt, and now the debt is clear. He didn't pay on the debt. He paid off the debt. Boy, there's nothing like paying off a debt, is there? I've told you many times in our, early in our ministry, you know, we'd go buy furniture on 12 months, no interest. I remember we didn't have a, a couch. We'd never bought a couch before. We'd been married probably 10 years, and we decided to go buy a couch. You know, we always had hand-me-downs and, you know, folks, things folks had given us. And we went to the Ashley Furniture Store in Louisiana, and we said, look, we don't have a lot to spend, and, you know, we just need a couch. When people come over to our house and visit, they got a nice place to sit. And they had a floor model for $250. We were so excited. Exactly what we were looking for, a khaki couch, 
$250. And we bought that, and we bought my wife a polka-dotted chair. She wanted a polka-dotted chair, so we bought it. And we put it on 12 months, no interest. And uh, every month, I would drive across town to Tower Loan. Those people that call you all the time wanting to give you money. Be careful, okay, with that. You've got to pay it back. <laughs> all right? You've got to pay it back. Some people don't really realize that. And I would go, and I would pay on the debt. And it felt okay to pay on the debt. But boy, there was nothing like that day that I drove across town on Louisville Avenue in Monroe, Louisiana, and I walked in with that last check and a big old grin on my face. I said, I'm here to pay off my debt. I'm not here to pay on my debt. I'm here to pay off my debt. As soon as I paid it off, she tried to loan me more money. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I know how that works. Man, it felt good to pay it off. Now, what do we see at the end of this? The propitiation, Christ's sinless life. Listen, his death on the cross as the substitute and his miraculous resurrection gives us the third thing about the cost to come home. Number three, I want you to see a settled difference. He settled the difference. You know, when you have a debt and you're short on the price of something, it means you need something else to make up the difference, right? What does the Bible say? For all have sinned and come short. you got to have something to make up the difference. We don't have what it takes to make up the difference. That's why the substitute had to come. The Bible says that not only did he come, he was a sufficient sacrifice, and the Father said, it's enough. Yeah. See, how do you know that? If you're reading your Bible in Matthew 27, Jesus dies on the cross. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. That means he died. The very next verse, the Bible says the veil of the temple was rent. You see, the veil is what separated the common folk from the very presence of God, giant curtain. You could not access the presence of God and yet when he died on the cross and he gave up the ghost, look, it was no mistake in the very next verse, it says the veil was rent. That means the barrier is gone. You now have access to God. Hey, you've come home for the holidays now. The debt's been settled. The difference has been made up. All is okay. Turn with me real quick to your left. I want to show you something before we close. Hebrews chapter number uh, 10. I want to show you something. It'll make you smile. Even the most grinchy of you this morning, it'll make you smile. Hebrews chapter number 10. Look down if you will. I'm going to start in verse number 1. Now listen, Hebrews obviously speaking to the Hebrews talking about the Old Testament sacrifice. Listen close. Verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, speaking of Christ, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The Old Testament, those believers offered sacrifices yearly, looking forward in faith to the ultimate final sacrifice of Christ. The Bible says in verse 1, watch close, they can never with those sacrifices which they offered continually make the comers thereof perfect or complete. Quickly look all the way down, verse 11. And every priest standing daily, daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Those Old Testament believers in faith kept sacrificing, 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 looking forward to Christ. Then we get to verse 12. But this man, but this man, so which man? The one we're celebrating his birth 
after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever set down on the right hand of God. Do you know what that means this morning? He sat down because it's done. He sat down because it's over. The debt was paid. No more sacrifices. No more standing daily. All of that is over. He has completed it. The debt has been paid. The difference has been made up. Everything is good now for you to come to God. This morning, can I tell you, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, the way has been cleared. The debt has been paid. The difference has been made up. You can come home. You can come home. Why? Well, there was a standing debt of our sin, but there was a substitute delivered who overcame everything that tripped us up, and he got victory. The Bible says that he is the propitiation. He didn't pay on our debt. He paid it off. All of those sacrifices, those payments, those payments, if you will, could never do what he did in giving himself. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, listen closely, please. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, your Father wants you to come home. The debt that stood between you and him has been paid. Christ did it. It's settled. The debt was settled so that you could be settled. There's no need for you to worry anymore about dying in your sleep. Where are you going to go? You can settle that. Why? Because Christ settled that. Christ settled that for us. You can know this morning that heaven's your home. When you die, you're going home to be with your father. But you have to accept that payment that was made for you. I said, what about the saved that are here? I bet most of us are probably saved here today. Well, can I tell you, sin is still separating you from God. Even if you're saved, your name's written down, heaven's your home, you can't lose that. But sin is why you're coming up short. For all have sinned and come short. Sin will always make you come short. You're coming short of the blessings of God in your life. You're coming short of the power of God in your life. You're going to come up short. Why? Because that's sin. The sad thing is it doesn't have to be. That debt has been paid, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There was a lady one time who was late on her rent. And she was afraid that every time someone knocked at the door, they were coming to collect the rent. Her landlord would holler through the door, you owe rent, you're late. And after a while, he cut her power off. She sat in her home in the wintertime with candles, trying to keep warm by the candles that were there. And one morning she heard a on the door. She was afraid to answer it. Why? Because she was afraid they were there to collect the debt. Little did she know the person at the door was a dear friend who had heard about her plight and heard about the debt that she couldn't pay and was there to pay the rent for her. But because she was so afraid, she refused to answer the door. And therefore she sat in the cold alone and fearful. Can I tell you today, that's Jesus knocking. There's no need for you to hide anymore. He's not here to collect the debt. He paid it. He wants you to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of being a child of God, but you've got to decide to answer the door this morning. He wants us to come home for Christmas. He wants us to come home for eternity. He paid the price. The question is, will we accept it this morning?
Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.